Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Valentine's Day show. I'm not a big celebrator of Valentine's, but it is February 14, 2017. And before I start into the show, I want to just explain to people I'm getting a ton of emails Where's the show? Can't download the podcast. Can't find the archives. I did a show with Pastor Chuck Baldwin entitled Israel and the Church. It got taken down. I have no idea and I haven't heard back from my podcasting host. Don't know what's going on. It will not allow, despite being a premium member, it will not allow me to upload any podcasts. We're sorting through that, which is again why I say, listen, subscribe to my YouTube channel. That is really important with all the hacking, tracking, attacking that we're going through here in the Christian Alternative Media. It's getting really frustrating dealing with this, but we just carry on by the grace of God. So don't forget, do subscribe to my YouTube channel. How can you do that? Well, simply go to WeCanVigilante.com and go to the top right, and you can see the social media icons there. While you're there, like me on Facebook follow me on Twitter, and do subscribe to the YouTube because we have a whole bunch of fantastic things coming out this year. We have some video. We have some contests. We have lots of great stuff planned. God willing, I always say, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. (laughs) Anyway, we have a fantastic guest today, and I've been chomping at the bit to bring him on as soon as this book was done, and now it is. And I'm so excited to get into this book with, of course, you all know him, the renowned, one and only, highly acclaimed researcher, author, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. I'm very excited to bring him on. I had the pleasure of being one of the very few that got a chance to read this book in advance. Wow. I'm not usually speechless, but what an amazing book. It is certainly the softer side of Steve Quayle. Welcome to the show, Steve. I'm very, very excited about this book. Well, thank you, Sheila. And what a blessing it is to be able to share a book that I believe is so timely that's going to prepare people, especially the people of God for the days ahead. Also, it's going to bring healing to a lot of people's lives who have suffered through some of the most horrific childhood assaults, whether in sexual abuse, people who have suffered at the hands of an unfaithful mate, people who have been uh, literally physically abused, spiritually abused, emotionally abused. And, you know, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted when he stood in the synagogue and declared that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He went into great detail about binding up the brokenhearted. So the thing is, is that it's very critical that we talk about this. We're talking about the book that God gave me in the shower, and it's only fitting that I would get this book in the shower because it's called Tears and Ocean of Emotion. Now, before I get into the book, I want to give some interesting statements on tears. Da Vinci, Leonardo, made the statement, tears come from the heart and not from the brain. So many times in Scripture, so many times in life, we hear the statement, the cry of our hearts. And even though your, your cheeks can be dry, the cry of your heart says so much to God, and he heard their cry. See, what people think is that God somehow is deaf and that God somehow doesn't see, and obviously the scripture says, does not he who created the eye see and he who created the ear hear? So again, we have really, I would say this, a so uh, infinitesimal understanding of God and his greatness, his majesty, and just how special he created mankind. So tears come from the heart and not from the brain. One of my favorite statements from Charles Spurgeon says this, 
Let not a libation of tears be the only offering at the shrine of Jesus. Let us also rejoice with joy unspeakable. If we have need to lament our sin, how much more to rejoice at our pardon? I don't think people understand how we all are guilty of neglecting so great a gift of salvation. This book is different. Tears an ocean of emotion. It's about how God encapsulates and records every human emotion and allows us every sensory perception, every human emotion, everything that's ever been done to us, through us, or spoken from us, or spoken against us, that's all stored up. You know, we speak about the subconscious, and what I'm going to talk about a little bit different than that, I'm not going to use, obviously, psychological terms, and I'm not going to use uh, psychiatric terms. I'm neither a psychologist nor a psychiatrist, but I am someone who reads the scripture. I'm a researcher, and as I look at the subject of tears, what prompted me, Sheila, was the shortest sentence in the Word of God, as I stepped into my shower that day, and it's simply, Jesus wept. Mm. So from that point on, something started to unfold in my spirit, and I'm talking about a download. In the world of the military and the intelligence communities, they would call that a burst transmission. And not only did God give me a theme, he gave me the understanding from his perspective, because so many of us pray and we try and relate to God from our perspective as revealed through his word. But I believe God's bringing us into a new age of revelation. I don't mean new age as a new age movement, but the time period of the latter reign. He's bringing us into that that time period when he's going to pour out not only the, the spirit of grace and supplication, but understanding like we've never had it before, because I believe this is the unsealing, literally, of those hidden things that the prophets long to look into and look forward to, and now the Lord is bringing them to us. So let's get into the subject matter, because again, I believe this book is so critically important to the times we're in. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, I believe what you're going to hear today, and then obviously what you're going to read in this book, is probably in the context of my walk with the Lord, the most important thing he's given me for the hour. This is such a change. This is probably, is this a fair statement to say it's probably 60% scripture? Oh, yes. I, I, yeah, easily. So I believe that the day has come where the literal uh, words of Jesus, what I call the red letter words of Jesus, are going to come into a new revelation. So Jesus wept. As I thought of that in the shower, what became apparent to me is that Jesus was not just weeping at that point for Jerusalem, but as Jesus wept at that point when, obviously, uh, Lazarus had died, the idea that Jesus would weep, we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he literally, he literally sought God. He poured his heart out to the Lord, and in pouring his heart out to the Lord, he sweat drops of blood. I want everybody to understand this, that our tears take on a totally different meaning when we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we're washed in his blood. As I started to just ponder this and I looked at the shower head, and I got a shower head with a lot of nozzles, you know, and that's just kind of like I've said before, it really does help me to shut up, shut down, and relax. Probably the only <laughs> time. Uh, I don't even know if when I sleep my brain shuts down. But in this case, my heart was open to the things of the Lord, and God began to speak to me. I would say one of the greatest revelations I ever received, and it's simply this, ladies and gentlemen, when the Scripture speaks specifically about Jesus bearing our griefs and sorrows and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. I believe that the revelation that God gave me, and as I've said, every day or every time I've been on the radio, take this to the Lord in prayer, but if you don't get a wow in your heart, if your mind doesn't explode with gratefulness and you're a Christian, I, I want you seriously to ask the Lord, Lord, I say I know you, but do you know me? Because Jesus said many will come to him in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? Didn't we cast out demons in thy name? And he'll say, depart from me, ye who work lawlessness, I never knew you. That's what iniquity means. The thing is, is that I started to understand an ocean of emotion. And as you know, Sheila, I, I try and, how do I say this, encapsulate thoughts and words that if they don't exist, I, I try and combine other words or make up new words to basically communicate as effectively as I can to a nation and a world that doesn't even understand where the basis 
of the original derivation, whether it's Greek, whether it's Latin, whether it's Hebrew, yeah. whether it's any number of a group of words. For instance, gigantic comes from the giants. When you see that you have terminology we use every day, or berserk, you say someone goes berserk. Well, when the Romans encountered the giants in Germany, Germany, and were destroyed some 35,000 in one day, you understand that words have meaning. So the ocean of emotion, instantly I began to see every tear that had been shed in history at the eyes of those created in the image and likeness of the living God from Adam and Eve forward. Every experience that they would have, every thought they would have, every interaction with creation they would have, and it was all presented in the tears. And so when I began to understand that Jesus wept, what he was beginning in that phase, I believe, is he was already conquering death, hell, and the grave, because every single sin, every single experience based on sin, every emotion as a result of sin was beginning to be poured out, and in his heart and his heart only. Nobody, nobody can take this on themselves. I can tell you this. I don't know how easy you get overwhelmed, but I don't have a high overwhelming tolerance. Seeing cruelty, seeing what people do to each other, it makes me crazy. It breaks my heart that I have yet to appropriate the power of God in such a way that I can step into a situation like the Apostle Paul did, like the Apostle Peter did, like more importantly, like Jesus did, and change everything with the Word of God. So I want to read this, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And that basically means physical and mental pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with all his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, the lawlessness, the rebellion, the absolute, we are our own kings. We are the captains of our own faith. And that's what that means. So tears in the understanding that I have, God made a, such a wonderful balance in the emotional release of tears. You cannot hurry up mourning. Those of you who have lost a loved one, a husband, a wife, brother, sister, mother, anyone or any personal loss, the loss of betrayal, anything that has resulted in tears in your life is an encapsulation of the sum total of your being. Sheila, we limit the Holy One of Israel more so than I think any group of people in the world. We've got technology which produced technecadence and dependence now on technology that basically, if you cut the iPhone service off, people go crazy, cut off their Prozac, and they really go crazy <laughs> and shut down the Internet. And I think all of us who, who are on it to try and bring other information, searching if we will, we will have to be faced with the point that at that instant in time, when that day happens, then we have to resolve our hearts to trust solely in the Lord. Now, again, one of the things that's important when I, when I deal with tears, I want to go through kind of a, a quick list, if I could, of the table of contents of this book, because it is that critical. In it, I deal with the science of tears in chapter one. What are tears? What are the three components of tears? Why did God make three different components of tears? What about the lacrimal glands, that which causes tears? What is just simply the science behind it? And by the way, as you know, the science of tears is well documented. I mean, even to the point of trying to differentiate tears associated with specific emotions, that has been done. What were your thoughts when you read uh, my book? And you're one of the, you actually, ladies and gentlemen, Sheila is a first one to read the book publicly and take me on the air. There's only two other people that uh, got a chance to read it. One was uh, Barbara Kay and the other one is Romy Z. And I don't say the last names because I don't want any harm, although I'm sure everybody knows who they are by now. But the reason that the science of tears is so important, this isn't just a mystical, magical, emotional tour. What I believe God wants us to do is bring our emotions, and I'm talking to myself now because, uh, you know, fits of anger, sometimes Steve needs to basically <laughs> chill, okay? 
fits of anger, Steve. That's F-O-A-S, okay? I have to FOAS, F-O-A-S. And so let me get back to my question to you. I know you're interviewing me, but as you read The Science of Tears, did that not blow your mind? Yes, yes it did. And there's so many things about this book, especially the analogy you give on a pressure release valve. You explain literally the science of tears. There is a science to it. There are chemicals released in our body when we cry. Our emotions are linked in with chemical release in our body. And I think it's just so amazing how you've laid this out and how you've connected the dots with our emotions. It's funny story. When I was a kid, I used to be the one that would get sent to the principal's office every single day. Why? Because I was always crying about something. I was labeled the biggest crybaby in my school. I was just a really super sensitive kid. And so if a kid got in trouble, I'd be crying. If I didn't get a star like somebody else got, I'd be crying. It was just cry, cry, cry. And I really kind of learned to associate emotions. You know, you have a tendency when you're labeled a crybaby to kind of suppress those emotions. You know, grow up. Of course, boys hear that all the time. Boys don't cry. And it's really interesting how things can be repressed. And it's just such a release when you cry. And that is so interesting. And my dad really said it the best one time. He said, tears are the words the heart can't say. And I thought that was very profound. But really, the the culmination of this arsenal that you've put together here that is so different from your usual... I mean, you cover topics that are usually traditionally very dark and heavy topics. This is heavy, but in a different way. And it's very amazing how you've laid this out. I was really impressed how you dealt with so many of these emotional topics because emotions, it's really a tricky subject. Well, and again, most people are ruled by emotions when they say, I think, I feel, I know. I get those emails every day and I say, but if you're not basing your revelation on the word of God, then you're placing yourself in God's position. That really fries religious people, okay? I have a ministry of basically uh, presenting sacred cows to the fire. And when I say sacred cows, I mean no disrespect to the word of God. But, you know, when people don't know the word of God, then they insert their thoughts, their feelings, their understanding. And God says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. My ways are so much higher than your ways. And uh, trust me, I want God's way. I I used to, and I still do, I've taken a few people in my messy office, okay? And I have a couple photographs of a couple of big uh, mistakes I made, and I call it Steve's Intersection Wall of Humility. Mm. And seriously, I do, I really do. Just smart enough to do something, then dumb enough not to see it through, okay? Mm. And because of the nature of this show we're having, I don't want to even go into that. But you said your dad made a very powerful statement that affected you, Sheila. By the way, I was in the principal's office so many times that I remember my fifth grade teacher saying, you know, if you will shut up, she said, I know you know a lot. My fifth grade teacher, but she said, if you'll shut up, she's very insightful. Her name was Mrs. King. I think it was at Malaga Cove uh, Junior High School in Palos Verdes, you know, whatever grade I was in, I was in trouble there too. It carried forward into college because I used to have to go to the dean's list before Jesus. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not wallowing in my sin. Or and I promised the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm toning everything about my sin down because great is your redemption. Mm-hmm. But I remember having to go before the dean's committee on so many different times. That one time I was defending. I was the president of Animal House. We were always in trouble. If there was a thing called academic excellence, we did not possess it. You know, certain people in the fraternity were always being, you know, put on probation. To the final point, you know, I think it got kicked off the campus, you know, and, and for the record, I was a Phi Delt. People will know that. I think Neil Armstrong was one, too. I resigned, by the way. When I got saved, I said, I will not have anything to do with Greek. And I didn't even know this, but I will not have anything to do with uh, Greek mystical statements or undertaking. That's what they call, obviously, everything in the fraternity sorority. So that's getting that out of the way. Here's a great statement by Henry Ward Beecher. Tears are often the telescope by which men see far into heaven. And I love this one, George Buckner. 
The stars are scattered all over the sky like shimmering tears. There must be great pain in the eye from which they trickled. Now someone says, well, what does that have to do with the Bible? I'll give you scripture for that. Jesus said, those are who, uh, when many souls, okay, are wise, and will shine like the stars in heaven. The Word of God says that. So, uh, seriously, when you're talking about tears, I think, it, again, it's another thought that was expressed by uh, Charles Spurgeon so many times. He said, how many the tears, I'm paraphrasing this, so many the tears that the shouts of joy will so overrule the tears that are offered on the altar to God as we come before heaven redeemed. Mm. So again, we'll get to this later in the interview, but I think it's important that people, crocodiles have the ability to have another membrane over their eyes when they're underwater. Same thing with sea turtles. But again, we get back to the weeping pachyderms, and this has come right out of my book, you know, and I want to share this one more thing. A guy named Sir E. Tennant, in describing those, and I'm reading this out of my book, in which he saw, in describing those elephants, which he saw captured and bound in Ceylon, says, some lay motionless on the ground with no other indication of suffering than the tears which suffused their eyes. And speaking of another elephant, he says, when overpowered and made fast, his grief was most affecting. His violence sank to utter prostration. He lay on the ground, utter choking cries with tears trickling down his cheeks. In the zoological gardens, the keeper of the Indian elephants positively asserts that he has several times seen tears rolling down the face of old females when distressed by the removal of their young one. And how about this will be the last one. This is the, I love this stuff, okay? By the way, if you came into my office, this is the clean office, the conference room I am. You'll see a gorgeous picture, a painting by a guy named Michael Shrek, three elephants. And it's just, I'll, I, maybe I'll take an iPhone picture and put it up on my website so people can see it. I think it's one of the most beautiful elephant pictures I've ever seen. Now listen to this. Here is the story that most people may have been aware of that was just released. You know, I think it was re-released a little over six months ago. Raju, an elephant, was in chains 24 hours a day, an act of intolerable cruelty. Now listen to this. The team were astounded to see tears rolling down his face during the rescue. It was incredibly emotional. We knew our hearts. He realized he was being freed. Elephants are majestic and highly intelligent animals. We can only imagine what torture the past half a century has been for him. Fifty years chained, okay, uh-huh. and abused. Why I'm sharing this about elephants and what this has to do with people listening in today is simply... Just as the elephant was chained, just as the mourning and loss, everything that makes us who we are as humans, this is what God uh, laid upon Jesus. So when Jesus died for one and all, for those that would receive him, you understand Sheila's total existence, my total existence, everyone listening to this, all of our hurts, failures, all of our unrealized dreams, all of the abuse. And I want to say something again. I feel it is in the Lord that I say this to you. A lot of you have endured a lot of pain. A lot of you have screamed, and God has heard the cries of your heart. Do not give up. And I'm talking from someone that has given up in the past. And if it weren't for the right word of an intercessor or an act of someone caring about me, I simply think I would have just fallen over dead or many of my enemies would have triumphed over me. There's a lot of people who are going to be set free because he who the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, sets free is free indeed. We all have areas of bondage, and Jesus holds the keys to those bondage. That's what it means to as many as received him, Jesus, we became the sons of God. And all of our tears will be offered on the throne of God. And I think it's important for people to understand this. That is Bible. How about Psalm 56? It's really, I'll just read Psalm 56. Read the first eight verses, ladies and gentlemen. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Our tears are the ink in which God writes the book of life, our names in the book of life. You think that's hard? You know, do you think he's using what Parker pens and normal ink? No. Think about this. And Sheila, I never knew that. I passed this off, Pastor David Langford. I passed off some other people. And they stared at me and they said, 
I've never heard anything like that. And obviously people have written about it from a a secular standpoint, defining the science behind it, etc., etc. But the point that's really important there, put thou my tears, and this is a psalmist crying out to God for his mercy, into your bottle, are they not in thy book, the book of life? I'm just going to go through the chapters. Time heals. You've heard, ladies and gentlemen, time heals all wounds. That's not always true. The reaction can get subdued, but I maintain that only Jesus can truly bind up the brokenhearted, and I'm talking about the subconscious as well as the conscious. No quick fix. I talk about Jesus and marriage, tears of national law, sackcloth and tears, humbling actions. We humble ourselves before the Lord, life or death, tears of the victorious resurrection, wiping away tears, but now let's contrast it, Sheila, to those who absolutely die without Jesus Christ. Not only do their sins follow them, but Jesus told about the parable about the rich man and the beggar. Jesus also said, in hell there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and their worm dieth not. Just as the sum composite of all human experience is encapsulated in the tears of humans, Well, those who reject the new creation in Jesus Christ that God offers them, the pardon and the positioning, the pardon is, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make you white as wool. The positioning is, where I am, there you may be also. And it's not a pie-in-the-sky promise. As Jesus returns with the saints, rules the earth for a thousand years, contrary to what those who believe that we're already living in the millennium, and to those I offer any zoo in the world to be, uh, I'll pay your plane ticket, and you want to take it up. And you agree to step into the cage of a hungry lion. Now, look, I'm not suggesting anybody commit suicide, but nobody wants to do that, okay? People have got to take the Word of God seriously. Now, there are specific beliefs where people don't believe in hell. Of course, they don't believe much, and they think by denying it, I said, you know what, you're like this. The people that want to avoid life by denying everything, but at the end, they're faced with a failing body, uh, God forbid, a failing mind, and hopelessness and despair. And Sheila, you and I spoke the other day about Voices from the Edge of Eternity, Gottschall, G-O-T-S-C-H-A-L-L's dying words. You want to see how the famous mockers of God died? Look up how Voltaire died. Look up how Rousseau died. How all of these people that shook their fist in heaven, the mockers of God, knew there came a point where they knew they were damned and there was no helping them. Some people were by their bedside, some had servants, some had maids. And if you hear how, literally, some of these supposedly pinnacles of history, pinnacles of thought, pinnacles of science, pinnacles, pinnacles, guess what? All the mountains come falling down just like Humpty Dumpty. There are people that believe they can make it through life without Jesus. Sure they can, but that's only this life. What happens about the nest? And every year... Multiple, multiple scientific studies now are coming out that there is life after life. First of all, there is no eternal annihilation of the soul. If that were true, then obviously most of the gospel wouldn't be, because death even, when it was conquered by Jesus and raising Lazarus, his friend, when he raised Jairus' daughter, all of the miracles, the book of John says that all the books in the world couldn't contain everything Jesus did. Can I ask most people, and this is a real important point for all of you that claim that, you know, somehow you're doing great things for God and you've never stood up for him once, you've never led one person to the Lord, you've never fed one hungry mouth, you've never reached out to someone, have you ever taken your shoes off and given them in the gutter to someone? Have you ever been ready if the Lord said, give your suit away? I heard George Otis say that, and pretty amazing guy, and uh, he said God told him to give a certain man the suit, and he said, meet me in the back room, and I'll give you my pants that go to the suit afterwards. That really happened. I thought, okay, I'm going to do one step better. I'm going to go out and buy the wildest boxer shorts. Now, God never asked me to do that, but I did take it to heart, you know, and by the grace of God, I've been able to give stuff like that in real time. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, somebody said, why do you wear boxer shorts? I said, in case someone needs my pants. And I don't mean that in any 
twisted way more than I do. Right. I know, too, and I want to share something. I'm on this thing, and I want every Christian listening to me to do this, okay? I want you, if you go into a restaurant or a place to eat, and you see someone bowing their head in prayer, I want you to buy their meal. I don't care if you can afford it. Now, obviously, if you can't, you can't. But if you can afford it, and you're there, I don't care if it's at a swanky restaurant or a sandwich shop, and you see someone bowing their head in prayer and honoring God, I want you to go over and say, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, sir. I want to thank you. Here's the words for honoring Jesus Christ and for asking God to bless your meal because that speaks to everyone here that will glance but hasn't done it. And I'll tell you what, Sheila, that has been a fabulous blessing. I I say to the Lord, God, let me do that tonight in some place. And, you know, I don't eat out at restaurants a lot, but my wife and I have worked all day, and, you know, it's possible whether we go ever. I've learned to do that. And all I can tell you is this. The response of people, I mean, I can't tell you, but I call it a hug from God, a hug from heaven, telling somebody, I want to honor you because you have honored God. It's like giving a cup of cold water. It's that important. And I got to tell you, I I, I believe the Lord told me to tell everyone that. And he said, you're going to do it first, you know. And, And it's important, you know, that people understand the biblical nature of tears. It's not a small thing. You know, what's really important for me to share today is this. And by the way, the rich man, the beggar is in Luke 16. But here's a wonderful application of tears. I love this story. I want to meet this woman as much as, well, I think I want to meet everybody that's in the Bible, but I want to go directly to this woman. It touches my heart. Because all of us are in this mode if we're really honest with ourselves. Luke seven thirty seven through 50. And I'm only going to read four or five verses. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him to come, you know, eat with him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. The lady was a prostitute. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, that's a Pharisee, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman? I entered into thine house, though gavest me no water from my feet. That was a custom in the Middle East. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Ladies and gentlemen, those were not only tears of repentance, but she laid the entire sum total of her human experience, who knows what happened to her as a little girl, who knows the abuse she suffered as a prostitute. She took the sum total of her existence and laid it at the feet of Jesus with her tears and then wiped it with her hair. And we're told in the word of God, are we not, Sheila, that her hair is her glory? She not only gave her absolute sum total of her being, but she wiped the feet of the king with her hair, her glory. And she even went one step further. She took the most precious thing she owned, the ointment, and anointed his feet. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Luke thirty-seven fifty, and I only read, I think, through 45. It's such a testimony. You know, here's the deal, Sheila. Self-righteousness gets you nothing but frustration and damnation, okay? Because you know you can't live up to the expectation of others. God knows I know that because enough people tell me that every day, okay? But all I care about, and I'm getting there, and I think at 65 years old, normal age, but 195 at the speed of life at which I used to live, (laughs) and now I'm just saying, Lord, slow me down, but uh, give me better direction, okay? 
you know, sliding through corners a whole lot different. And if you miss one corner, you may miss the turn that God had for you. Yeah. Well, I think he's slowing me down. I hate to admit that, by the way, <laughs> and I really do. But now I see him pointing me or redirecting me in a direction that literally blesses the people of God. I want to share something. This book is so unlike anything I've ever been given. The critics that do not see the hand of God in what I do, I leave them to their own damnation, and I leave them to themselves of fate, worths, and death. Because if everything I say, you say, we say, granted, I say carnal stuff, but when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to pray for people, and some literally troll from hell rises up and says, when Quayle prays for people, God closes his ears and says, blah, blah, blah. That was literally said. But I want you to know, when the people contact me in that prayer that God supposedly said his, his, closed his ears to, okay, the idea is when someone says, Steve, I was ready to blow my brains out with my 44 in my mouth, or I was doing a trick with a John, okay, I once got a call like that, got another call from another prostitute, and she said, the reason why I'm calling you is because there was no condemnation in your words. And I said, sister, I said, that's because there's no condemnation in the heart of God for you. He wants you back. You know, it's interesting because when Michael, David's wife, mocked him for worshiping the Lord, what happened? She was smitten with barrenness, and she basically passed into the background of David's life. So will all of your critics, and so will all my critics, because at some point, Sheila, not that we don't deserve some criticism, but when they mock the walk and scorn the warning, and when they ridicule, belittle, slander, bear false witness, and defame, and then get amongst the pack of hyenas, and I make no apologies for that, or the jackals join with the hyenas and think somehow they're going to feast on your carcass, my carcass, or whoever else, whether they're going after Doug Hagman, Pastor Langford, you know. When they do this, at the end, they're going to find out they're the ones that have wasted away. They're the ones who establish their righteousness. Interestingly enough, and I'll share this, one of my researchers, a man who I've loved with all my heart for 30 years, who has everything I've been able to do, he lays out my titles, written chapters which I didn't feel confident enough to. You know, I'm talking about Duncan, my friend. He didn't tell me this, but as he finished the chapters for me, you know, on how to deal with grief, I'm not a good guy to talk about that. He felt led of the Lord to do that, but he didn't tell me, Sheila, when he was doing that, he was coming to his own death. He was dealing with his own passing into eternity. And yet when he was writing this, he made a statement to me probably four to six weeks before he died, maybe closer to six weeks. He said, this was really hard for me to write. And I didn't pick up on it, okay? When the book was finished, he said, hey, I, I got some kind of bad news, Steve. He said, I've only got two weeks left. I said, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And, and I didn't know. And then I felt, oh, God, how can anybody be that insensitive? But he said, I want you to know I'm at peace with God. And I prayed with him. And I said to him, I said, I said, Dunk, I can tell you this. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people that will be greeting you. And, and look, I know what kind of a reach I've had in life, whether critics want to claim that everybody hates me. I know the ones that love. And people say, quit identifying with critics. No, ladies and gentlemen, you need to recognize this, that it's one thing to quote, blessed are you when all men speak evil of you for my name's sake and never have stepped up or used an anonymous name because you don't want to be known. Duncan told me, and I prayed for him, and I said, my brother, I love you. I, I've got to tell you this. Thank you. Because together, we have touched the lives of only God knows how many. The number's known to God. Yeah. But the effects have been based on redemption. And he passed away. Wow. And uh, his wife, I got a chance to pray with her. But there was, there was a brokenheartedness, but there was such a sense of victory. And here's what I believe the Lord let me see the multitude of people that came to him as he entered into heaven and said, thank you. Because, you know, Sheila, that's what it's all about. You know, people say, well, you're going to have a big reward. I said, you know what my biggest reward is? 
and I mean this, and look, I haven't been to heaven and seen the reward of the righteous. I have been before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, literally translated to the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, where our works will be judged according to the light we had. So I say this, I say this book has a different anointing on it than anything I've ever done. This was God's fingerprint all over the book. I'm not just trying to do anything of a metaphor. I'm not trying to do make anything of an emotional appeal, although it is emotional to me. And I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done. You know, that is my filter. Now, look, here's what it says. The Bible literally talks about, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3 through 5, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Those are the things you're given to Jesus now when you repent and come to him. The fulfillment of that is like the book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The only way for any of us to endure the things that are coming our way is to Set the Lord before our eyes, our hearts. You know, I've often wondered, I, I know Jesus had to leave a lot of the stuff he could have possessed. He said he could call 10,000 angels. But he endured because he saw the end result. I think, I, I'm only speaking for myself, I lose track of the end result. And that's when I become sorrowful. And sometimes even I think hopeless, Okay. And then God prompts me, or someone will send me a scripture, or someone will say, I'm praying for you today. Just like you know, Sheila, there are times that you've prayed, and God has answered you, and I've watched it happen, because somebody said, do this, or or, encourage Sheila, or or, give her this, or give her that, you know? So the point is, is that I think it's important that we are in an attitude of gratitude, and this book is, is so different, and, you know, you can share what you responded to, even if you do it, whenever you want to do it, but the idea is simply this, all your tears in Jesus will be wiped away. On this earth, you're going to be set free if you'll apply what I've written in here. I hope that my goal for this book is that it sets so many people free, because that's how you know the anointing. The anointing doesn't put people in bondage. The anointing sets free, because Jesus came to break the yoke of bondage. Well, I'll tell you what, I agree with that, and I love the way that you've handled betrayal and depression and those real things. Steve, we've all, you and I, we know too well about the feeling of having a very close friend backstab us. I mean, that is not something you just get over the next day. That deep betrayal, it hurts. It's agony. I found, you know, a 30-year friendship that just recently ended over doctrine of all things. You know, it really broke my heart. And you gauge these subjects around brokenheartedness and depression. I attempted suicide three times in my life. I had a postgraduate degree, ironically, in psychology, and I couldn't get over my clinical depression. Thank God for Derek Prince, FYI. That death death curse on my family was bad. But, you know, Steve, it's like when David said, you know, that scripture there in Psalm 6, I am worn out from my groaning all night. My tears flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. We've all had those dark times, Steve. And I, I think you've just done an exceptional job on really laying out also the stages of of grief. I mean, we all go through processes of denial and anger and bitterness and betrayal. We've all been there. And I think this is just one of your best works. I'm very impressed with how you've dealt with the subject matter. Can I give glory to who it belongs? I didn't do it. I know that. Look, of course I did it. Okay. I hope I was obedient, but this was a download in the shower. This was the heart of God answering my prayer. God, let me see this from your perspective. Okay. Not trying to figure it out, not trying to research it out, but show it to me from your perspective. And it's just like I said, why God hates talebearer, slanders, you know, false witness, false accusers, because all of those 
those things that we see, you know, I get them daily in my email or I see them on posts or whatever. The Lord gave me that word, and I think you heard it, Sheila. The reason he hates it, it's an abomination. Those who do it are abominable is because that's what Satan attacked God over and got a third of the angels to listen to him. That's why tailbearing separates good friends. It first happened in heaven, and it will happen on earth. I don't know everything that goes on in heaven. I know what God reveals, like any of us. But that's why he hates it. Be careful, everyone. Be careful. Because some of you will become a partakers of not only other men's sins, but the judgment soon to fall on them. Pastor Langford was talking about a vision or something he personally was familiar with where the abortion doctor, he saw a picture of an abortion doctor we shared with him in hell. And the guy's hands were just dripping with the blood of all those who he had slaughtered and murdered. And he was in eternal torment. Every single, if you will, and I don't know if it's on a molecular or a spiritual nano level, but every single life that he had snuffed out, the sum total of all those little wonderful created beings of God, all of that was on his hands. He shed innocent blood. And for eternity, he will have to bear that. He couldn't wash it away. He couldn't take it away. All of the pain and agony was duplicated unto him. I'm telling you what, I want to have clean hands and a clean heart. Well, because the scripture says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a weeping and a wailing that we don't want any part of, do we? No, we don't. And I call it the the tears of the damned, okay? Mm. The cries of the unregenerate, but the tears of the damned. And unfortunately, Jesus also said, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and their worm dieth not. I don't really understand that, but I think if you put it into a biblical context, you can look at Herod. Of course, he may have picked up worms from all the gross stuff they ate in those days. Yeah. But I think it's even more than that. I think he allowed his lusts and his appetites to consume him. And now the worms that they festered, and I mean, I think it's a little, uh, a real creation type thing. It was consuming him, yet every time he thought he would be finished with the torment, it just started all over again. And Sheila, listen, we need to fear God. We do not need to fear the days ahead of us, but we need to endure. And listen, though we fall, he lifts us up. Though we fail, he gives us his victory once we repent. And you know, look, here's the deal. We don't know, any of us, how long we've got, a day, a week, a month. We just don't know that. A year, maybe. Two years, five, ten. But at this certain point, we say goodbye to this called earth and enter into the kingdom of God. And should, you know, we go through the Great Tribulation, obviously I know we're going through the majority of it. Until Jesus comes, we are to endure to the end. That's the thing that causes me the most trouble, okay? I deal with sin. I deal with... Uh, And I'm not saying this, it's what God's called me to do. Only God can sustain somebody that he's called to do this. It's just really, really difficult. And I'll tell you what, folks, instead of having an I hate Sheila club, an I hate Steve club, I think you said something really profound, Steve. It's about, you know, we've all got a calling and we've all got very little time to waste, really, under the conditions. You know, are you out feeding the hungry today? Did you feed a veteran The way our veterans are vilified, it boils my blood. But the point is, instead of taking all that energy to be a jackal and a hyena, why don't you go and feed the hungry, do something constructive and encourage people today? Because I'll tell you what, it's like the Lord is observing, Steve. I'm just picturing the Lord sitting there recording everything we say. He's stepping back and he's making notes. And I'll tell you what, folks, make sure those notes are good because boy, we have a lot of missed opportunity in life. And Steve, this book really, it really actually helped me in a time when I have gone through a deep betrayal. It was really encouraging. It was uplifting. And I really, again, think that this is just a God book. It's anointed. People have to get this book, Steve. Do you think, Sheila, it's by chance that you were the first one to get it? I bet you didn't think that. And do you see that because of the influence you have on people, 
and it made me think of the influence I have on people. It's making me a whole lot softer because I'm seeing sin. I'm seeing the damnation and the destruction and the, the devil's real works. And for this purpose, I used to say this when I started talk radio, and I'll stick with it and end. 95% of the Christians I know do not get for the purpose that Jesus was manifested. A beyond salvation, yeah, that's true. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Everything that I deal with in this book are the result of the works of the evil one. And the other thing that I want to just share, those of you who are lonely and praying, my prayer is that literally quote the scripture, brothers and sisters, who are in that realm, who are isolated, who are solitary, that God sets the solitary in families. He's about to move in a way that I can't, I can't articulate. He hasn't shown me good thing because, you know, I think God does cool stuff and I want to watch what he does. But the point being is this. This is your e-ticket, your redemption exemption from sin. Your redemption exemption, I'm talking about the ability to understand how much God loves you and how precious you are in sight. And when you hear that Jesus bore your griefs and sorrows, the sum total of your human existence, he has absolutely borne in his body on the cross, and all that has been resurrected. Guess who carries that? the Lord, until it's all poured out. I don't even know how it all plays out, but I know this, all our tears get poured out on the altar. Sheila, blessings to you, and thank you for letting me come on and share today, because again, this book is that critical, that important, that people get set free, because the scripture is true. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen to that. And Steve, how can people get their hands on a copy of this book, especially the new listeners who might be tuned in? They can go on my website, stevequayle, dot com, and they can click, Sheila, right over on the right-hand side of my website, okay? There is a big banner, and if they'll go there, they can click on it, and they can get it. It's, uh, you know, we start shipping, I believe, on Friday, so the pre-order, they get a special price, and I'm going to extend it. It says until the 19th, but I'll extend the special price, let's say, until the end of the month, but I want people to get it. And I want them to be blessed by it. And then when you're blessed by it, share it with whoever. I want you to pray and ask God who to give it to, okay? I want you to ask God and say, Lord, show me somebody that this book will be a blessing to. Because it's not about teaching. It's not about preaching. It's about setting people free to become everything that the magnificent heart of God has purposed for you. Read Psalm 139, more numerous than the sand of the sea are God's, and I'll add the word, infinite thoughts towards you. But if you don't believe that God loves you, you can't appropriate those thoughts. So stevequail.com, click on Tears and Ocean of Emotion. It's a big blue block ad, and it'll be a blessing to all who read it. I can almost guarantee it. Thank you, Steve. Folks, that was Steve Quayle from stevequail.com. And bookmark it. Check out the headlines, the Q alerts, Q files. That is a one-stop shop for a wealth of information right there. Get this book. I have read all of Steve's book, but I'm going to tell you this is one of his, I think, most important, timely work. Such a blessing, this book. It was such a blessing to me personally, and I think it will be an amazing blessing to you as well. So do get yours right now because of the reduced price. You cannot go wrong. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. We'll see you next time. Good night and God bless.